I promise you, when you put it up and you see that yoke, you can't do nothing but get your roll on. You can't do nothing but get your roll on. I got three words for you. You like that? Yeah. Easy. He jumped that side of me. How about a oot oot? He gets away from the pressure. Fires to the end zone. It's hot! It's Greg Lewis! Tuesday, October 24th, the rare Tuesday Vikings pod as we're here after Monday night football to talk about the three and four Minnesota Vikings coming off of the big win on Monday night football. Ryan Lundeen, we were there at the game 24 hours later. What stands out to you about the the game last night? Well, I mean, I think what stands out to me is um, just the, the whole... I would say narrative of the Viking season has shifted due to the result of one game. Um, I think Kirk said it best. You know, they talked about, we got to be at our best to beat the 49ers. Um, and not that this game was perfect by any means, but this is probably the most complete game they've played um, in regards to complimentary football. Um, and it's just really great to be back at the bank. That was a super fun atmosphere, super fun just to, you know, go down there prime time Monday night. Um, despite parking mishaps, it was still a good time. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's start there. We'll go, instead of usually we go kind of talk about the offense and talk about the defense, we'll go through the game um, just kind of as it, as it unfolded. So started off heading down downtown, um, despite being kind of big-timed by the depot um, and denied entry, we found uh, even more affordable parking, so that worked out. But the whole kind of... Twitter and other places were abuzz with the alleged 49ers fan takeover of Minneapolis and U.S. Bank Stadium. What was your overall once we got in and once the game unfolded? How do you kind of characterize the demographics of U.S. Bank Stadium last night? I guess I um, so on Twitter and everything, I was I was a little nervous going in um, because we heard horror stories from the Chiefs game a couple weeks ago. And then you just seeing, you know, I think there was maybe a, a get together at the Mall of America or something along those lines where it, it looked like there was a lot of Niners fans. Um, but overall, I don't think it was that out of the norm for like a good team. Um, a obviously not team, a division. Yeah. Right. Obviously not a division rival like the Packers or something that that always seems to be one that is heavily opponent attended. But Anytime you have, you know, the Niners who have been very good for a long time. Um, the the one thing I was didn't even think of until we were at the stadium is they were saying probably half of these Niners fans are from Iowa when it comes down to, you know, George Kittle being from Iowa, Brock Purdy from Purdy, Iowa State. Um, so that's kind of their their closest connection to a uh, NFL team. Um, or logistically to come to Minneapolis yeah. and watch a game. So I don't think it was anything out of the norm. Um, all the talk that was on Twitter about, oh my gosh, these Niner fans are so loud. It sounds like we're in Candlestack, 
candlestick. I just felt like that was way overblown. Yeah, not not at all. It was, I mean, I don't know how to put a number on it, but 75-25 at the most, you know, maybe 70-30 at the very most, which um, probably not even that. And that's, we've had that with the Cowboys. We've had that with other teams too. So I think the narrative is kind of like you said, going into the game, like, is this Viking season lost? Is everyone abandoning ship? So like it was kind of maybe some beat reporters, whoever else are kind of quick to jump on, like, oh, is this a sign of, you know, the state of the fan base or whatever. But um, yeah, they tried. I mean, it helped the Vikings lead wire to wire, <laughs> um, but they tried to get a couple of Niners kind of chance going and stuff and they didn't really go anywhere. So um, yeah, did not feel out of the, out of the norm at all for a, a game against a pretty national opponent. So um, we'll put everyone's mind at ease there, but no, no shame for anybody that, you know, sold tickets either. This is a long game. It's, it's the way it goes. So uh, the one other pregame thing I want to ask you about is, you know, you get the Monday night football prime time. How do you like the, not the color rush, but the purple pant, purple shirt or purple jersey um, look for a big time game like this? Last time we saw this was, you know, the last game we were there was the playoff game last year and that didn't go well. But overall, purple on purple has been pretty good for the Vikings. Yeah, I'm never going to be one to disparage purple pants. I can, I will cheer for purple pants regardless, home away, purple or white jerseys. Um, I didn't get a chance to take a look at the sock situation. I know that's something near and dear to your heart, but um, I like it. Um, I, I still find it weird that they're only using those throwbacks one time this mm-hmm. year. Um, and I don't know if tonight would, or uh, Monday night would have been the night anyways, but um, glad that they went purple pants. I think overall, if you take a look at the, Vikings record in purple pants during my fandom they're they're well over 500 so oh yeah it's something that I will always be always be happy to see yeah I think the ideal breakdown for like a, a year like this where you have eight home games and this is not including you know the couple road games you end up wearing a purple jersey for whatever reason but you get your your one purple pants game um, purple on purple I mean, personally, I'd abandon the color rush altogether, but you're probably going to get one of those too. But now with the throwback in the mix, yeah, I think my ideal would be abandoned color rush. You get one pseudo color rush with which we had last night, but without the actual color rush jerseys, two throwbacks, and then do the classic purple on white with purple socks for the rest for the you know five or so. So that's that would be my um, breakdown. But they look good. Um, it always looks good with the with the purple on purple. Well, I guess you get your one whiteout game too. So there's a lot of a lot of combinations out there these days. But overall, I think the Vikings always look pretty good. So the game starts, and we have a classic 2023 Vikings opening. Um, they made it three plays without throwing an interception, um, or with until they threw an interception rather. And it was like we're like this is unbelievable. This is so classic. Of course, this is what happens. Um, before we get to the the ensuing drive that kind of turned the game around for the Vikings, what was just kind of what's going through your mind at that point? Is it like, well, it was fun for one drive, and now this game's going to be a you know going to be out of reach for the rest of the way? Yeah, I think I didn't really know what to expect on that first drive, especially with just all of the the talk about the Niners' defensive line and such. Um, my thought was we're going to need to abandon the run early. Um, which is, I guess, never the case with Alexander Madison. He breaks his first run for, for 19 yards. Um, I don't know if he just is 
the least conditioned back in the NFL where those first five runs, he is feeling it. And then he is sucking air the rest of them, but he breaks that for 19 yards. Then the Vikings go to pass to Josh Oliver for no gain and immediately throw a pick. Probably. I'd probably say Kirk's second worst pick of the year, the pick six that he just stared down the receiver in Carolina was probably worse, but I like he triple clutched, looked at Jordan Addison the entire time. Um, the exact quote I said to you is, how do we have the oldest currently playing quarterback in the NFL and he doesn't have a second read or he can't move on to anything, whether it's tuck the ball and run, take a sack. It was That was just a very poor decision. Um, and it really... It really did not set up well for what I thought was going to happen the rest of the game. Yeah. And I mean, certainly Addison, you know, lost on the route and lost his leverage and stuff and got ultimately the ball kind of ripped away from him. But it seemed like he could, Kirk, you know, probably should have seen the leverage on that before throwing it in the first place. But this is going to be probably one of the most positive Kirk Cousins podcasts we've ever recorded. So we'll get this out of the way right now. But um, not how you wanted to start the game. It is now, I think, four out of seven games they've turned the ball over on the first drive. And last week was the only time they've scored on the first drive, which was a field goal. So still waiting for that kind of opening script to really pay dividends. But thankfully, the Vikings defense uh, rewards or gets the ball back to them with a, a forced fumble uh, in the red zone and a recovery. And yeah, I don't know if you have any thoughts on the fumble. We can go to the you know the Vikings next drive after that. Yeah, no, it's just great to, um, I, I think Harrison Smith forced the fumble, either him or Bynum, um, but he seemed to be flying around the last couple of weeks. So that mm-hmm. was great to see and great to see the Vikings get on a fumble. That's, you know, <laughs> true. I, I think the fumble luck has turned from those, you know, first four or five weeks, but um, even to average, it'll feel great for us. Yeah. 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 I, the thing I remarked in the game was, I don't know if I've ever seen a play that lasted so long that the camera in the stadium actually cut to another camera angle to show the bouncing ball in real time to like, as the play kept going, it was such a long fumble and yeah, bouncing towards the sidelines and thankfully they got on it. So, I mean, that's huge compared to, you know, we've had plenty of these games now this season where the offense turns the ball over immediately and then you get down. Um, So the, for the defense to, to get the ball back and then the Vikings to be able to put together something and get ahead in this game, I think made a huge difference. So then we have what is, I mean, one of the best drives of the season, if not the, I mean, 10 plays, 89 yards, six minutes, like, cause they started at the, at the 11, it must've been. Um, this is what we've been waiting for as far as sustaining a drive. And it looked like, I mean, they go, they lose two yards on the ru- first run. Like you said, Madison, you know, used his one good run up on the first play. Um, and then you get into a third and 12. And like, that's where if you go three and out here and you don't, you know, take advantage of this, it's going to be this movie we've seen all season. Kirk manages to get Hawkinson um, for 16 yards for a first down. And then there were, they were off from there. So um, I don't know if anything stands out in particular on this drive to you, but just, I mean, a 10 play drive that takes six minutes. How many of those have we seen this season? It can't be more than you can count on one hand. It was, yeah, it's, it's very few of those drives we've seen this year. Um, The thing that stood out to me is um, the Vikings were just attacking the middle of the field and and doing it very well. Um, I think that that third down that you mentioned was to Hawkinson over the middle of the field. 
um, all of Hawkinson's targets on this drive were, were caught. Um, and I think we can ideally with continued play, like he did on Monday night, we can put the kind of narrative to bed on Hawkinson, but they just, it seemed like they were a little more methodical. Um, they were able to come back from a negative play. I mean, you have the, the delay of game, um, some of those things that get you off script and the Vikings generally aren't able to overcome that. And then they were able to do so. And then you hit Addison for a touchdown for 20 from the 20 yard line, semi over the middle of the field um, to just get the, get the fans into the game. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I guess I'll, I'll go out of limb here and say something really, really brave that not many people have, have said this season. I still like TJ Hawkinson. I think he's good. Um, yes, he's had some he's had some drops. He's had some contested catches he hasn't come down with. We'd like to see that be better, but um, this is what they should be doing with him is using, especially with JJ out. Like this is what they came in, and he was. It ended up being you know the Jordan Addison game more so I think. Um, but Hawkinson's who they went to at the beginning, um, or at least you know, the second drive. You know when they needed it, and he got them down the field, and he's he was there all game, caught eleven out of twelve targets. Um, played tough, you know, got dinged up a couple times. And I think if you want to quibble with the dollars, that's fine. But overall, he is still a well above average tight end, and I'm happy to have him, you know, here for the long haul. So, um, yeah, I'm still very pro pro TJ. I think this is a, ultimately a pro TJ podcast. I don't want to speak for you, but. No, I'll agree with that. I'll agree with that. I, I think Kirk did a lot better job of, putting the ball where um, Hawkinson can maybe catch it against his body, um, which I think bodes weather better when you're across the middle of the field and potentially throwing balls where, you know, you're going to get hit. Um, doesn't allow, allow TJ to really short arm those when it's right on his body and he can right. just kind of scoop it and then be protected when it, when it comes to taking a hit. But yeah, that, that kind of leads us right into, you know, Vikings kick off after this touchdown. And well, here, quick question. Is the 20 technically the red zone or is it outside the red zone? Because this will come up later. They scored from the 20. <laughs> I guess it's um, in the red zone. <laughs> no, I'm going to say no. Yeah. Because, <laughs> uh, because of where I know the conversation is headed yeah. later. Um, but yeah, I would say the 20 is the line and you have to yep. cross that. To inside the, the red, red zone. zone. You have to be inside the red zone. I got gotcha. you. But yeah, so the Vikings, you know, kick off, give the ball back to the Niners. Um, nothing really, I guess, of of major consequence on this drive. Um, but it does look like the, you know, the Niners can go down and just methodically drive the ball down. Um, they get into field goal territory, it looks like at the 22. And as somebody who was betting on the under for San Francisco field goals. We very much appreciate the Jake Mo- or I don't even know his first name. The Moody miss. Yeah. Is it, we have to look it up. Is that the shortest missed field goal by an opponent 40 yards in us bank stadium history? Cause it might, I was so shocked um, to see that, but that was, I mean, that's big. And then you, I mean, that's where, what leads into, you know, a 13 play Vikings drive um, where they, this is, the most I've felt, and this is already getting into the second quarter. I mean, this has only been a couple drives for each team, but they're long. Both these teams are, you know, trying to run the ball, trying to to possess the ball. And this drive, 13 plays 67 yards, partially because of some penalties that they had to keep going. But 
this is where it felt most like Kevin O'Connell was kind of in his bag that we saw some of last year that just has never, whether he's maybe been calling the right plays this year and the execution hasn't been there, that could be the case, but the execution with the play calling, you get the double pass, you get some screens that are working and, you know, one gets called back, but um, going down the field, you know, and using kind of everything at his disposal was, was really exciting. They don't end up putting it in the end zone, but um, getting to acres, getting to Madison, um, this at least the momentum in the stadium, you know, during this drive was was really exciting. I felt. Yeah, absolutely, and and I'll I'll go a little further. I think the stadium was was very happy with seeing Cam Akers out yeah. there a little earlier in the game than we we've, we've seen in the past. I think he ends up with more carries than than Madison in this game, not by a lot, but still something to to hang our hat on. But. Um, yeah, it was this was probably my favorite drive of the game, mm-hmm. which is which is insane considering they get <laughs> the ball down to the two and um yeah. come away with three points. It was also but, coming our direction and both on our, our sideline where the, the Chandler screen that or the double pass that got called back and then the acres screen right after that. So it was it was right in front of us and yeah, the energy was high. Absolutely, absolutely. I did. I will say, you know, they they try to run the ball um, first and goal on the two. And probably I was surprised that Madison even got the handoff with how much penetration there was, mm-hmm. um, which is probably one of the very few negatives on the Vikings offensive line all night. So, yeah. Yeah. One of the thing on acres is, like you said, he had, he had two more carries. Ultimately, a lot of those were that were late when they're running the ball, you know, kind of running the timeout, too. So. I'm not as worried about like yards per carry, but here's the difference between between Cam Akers and Alexander Madison. Cam Akers, two catches for 30 yards. Alexander Madison, two catches for three yards. I think I like the I like how O'Connell was mixing in all three of them and Ake was much more of an even share. I think that I think it was like 37 to 27 snaps in Madison's favor. I bet you that's that flips next week. Um and whether maybe Madison's still technically the starter, but I think it's gonna be right close to even. And I mean, they rode acres towards the end of this game. And I mean, I'd still love to see some, some Ty Chandler out there as well, but acres is exciting. man. I, I told you during the game, um, I think I have a type with these guys when it's um, a high draft pick that was, you know, didn't work out for whatever reason in, um, in another place. And you can trade for him for cheap at the beginning of the season. Obviously Rager was my guy last year and this year acres is um, I think everybody's excited about him. You know I mean? He's got, Certainly, again, maybe it's comparison comparing him to to Madison, but he looks like he's got a lot of juice out there. Yeah, and it, I, I, you said it a couple of weeks ago, but anybody coming in after Madison looks just like there's a whole nother gear available speed wise. And I don't know if that's just you know processing Alexander Madison thinking too much, but um, it seems like maybe Cam Akers is just one read and and that's what i'm gonna go with and he breaks some tackles that's, that's great what i'm saying see. yeah he's a i mean i don't know if i've seen enough of him to call him a you know complete back or anything but it seems <laughs> like i mean it's it's not just a speed guy he's not like a scat back like he he's got good balance he's breaking tackles he's running through stuff so um yeah i think he's clearly the best running back on the roster at this point so if if madison has some utility as you know as a a blocker and you know it's i mean some runs between the tackles and stuff and 
you know, isn't useless, but um, I would like to see that acres getting the bulk of the, of the work moving forward. So I guess last negative thing on Kirk, we should say he does miss Addison kind of in the back of the end zone on this third down here, or was a second or third down, but they said settle for the field goal second down. Cause then third down was a weird little jump pass to Powell. Um, so yeah, first of, of a couple um, drives and we'll save the red zone talk maybe for the second one, but um, tough to come away with that. Um, or to not come away with with seven there, but they get the field goal. Then the Niners have a uh, 12 play, 75 yard drive for a touchdown um, and get to. I mean, I don't remember anything. It was it's pretty methodical. I mean, a lot of McCaffrey, a lot of um, Ayuk, and yeah, they end up scoring with a minute left. I don't know if you have any thoughts on on the defense at this point, but um, this kind of takes us into half, which was really the turning point of the game, I think. Yeah, I, the only thoughts are um, I had told you after the Vikings went up um, seven zero. I told I told you I'm not going to allow myself to believe until at some point in the second quarter. Um, and going back to the Vikings drive, if they were to go up fourteen zero, yeah, even thirteen zero, giving Greg, um, I would have done that. But the getting stopped at the goal line. Uh, I, I with withheld my belief at that point, and then the the Niners methodically go down and and score. Um, nothing too crazy on that drive. We get the ball back. Um, minute one minute one second and and one timeout. Um, and your your point is any average quarterback in the NFL should be able to manage that amount of time at least into field goal range correct well yeah I'm, and i don't want to put it all i see again we we here we go again kirk played one of the best games it was kirk. um but i was watching back i don't know if anyone watched the manning cast last night or they're watching the normal broadcast um those that were watching at home but um i wanted to kind of see that part and a few other highlights so i watched it back today and they had rogers on during that time during the second quarter and they're just like why are you checking the ball down while you're throwing it in the middle of the field, not having stuff ready though? I mean, the Vikings used 45 seconds to go 15 yards, you know, and, and use their timeout in that time. Um, so it's looking like another, you know, um, kind of wasted drive when you think you had opportunity there. And then Kirk does, I don't, I think it was that same play. I was before, I don't want to say I called the shot, but I was like, just throw it up to Addison and hope something happens like a penalty, whatever. And the Niners decide to, engage eight for some reason and you get Addison one-on-one and this time this time he rips it and is suddenly gone it was I don't want to say it was Minneapolis miracle-esque but like as far as kind of a a turn and run moment uh, I don't know does that play rank up somewhere Um, not that not on that tier but as far as kind of our like a single play excitement in U.S. Bank Stadium that's it's probably top five for me I think at this point yeah, I think it's 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 teetering on top five. Yeah, I don't have you know the four listed in front of it. Um, but I think if I went back and really thought about it, it it's up there. Um, the, the the hard part again, it's coming towards us, so that's great. Mm-hmm. But for the longest time, you think that ball is picked. Yeah, the whole I think, time. I mean, you even said they should probably call this a pick and a fumble <laughs> on the official score, like. Um, I, I did love Addison's quote after the game, um, something along the lines of 
<laughs> you're not going to get two. No, no, sir. Yeah. Um, Cause that was the guy who got the first interception. Um, Jordan Addison really made that play. I it's don't an think unbelievable play. And, and again, I'm not trying to be anti Kirk because Kirk really did ball out in this game. Not the best throw. Um, if he throws that up, you know, with a little more air under it and let's add a underneath yeah. it, um, he probably still has him. You know, he can make the catch. I think he probably gets tackled from behind and the, the time runs, runs up, out, yeah. um, which, you know, even if the ball is kind of on him in on a line in that scenario, that probably works out. So this is really the only way it was going to work out, you know, let him believe that he pick it and then, and then pick his pocket. But um, that was super fun. The The stadium was just jacked. Everybody's mm-hmm. going wild. We are still celebrating the touchdown. Greg sneaks in, misses the extra point. <laughs> no, he doesn't need that past me. I noticed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was just a, just a, it, that is where I was like, all right, I'm ready to believe we're up by two scores. And then, you know, Greg misses. And I'm like, I guarantee that comes back to haunt us in some yeah. way. It just always seems to, but yeah, this is I where it did feel like, and this, I think at least for this year and maybe, you know, for years to come, we'll look at back at this game and say, and like, remember this as the Jordan Addison game, like the, it's not quite the Randy Moss Monday night football, his rookie year, but the Monday night early in your rookie season, um, you know, national stage, everything JJ's out. And those were his two touchdowns. He, um, I don't know how many catches he had in the second half. He had a few, but even, you know, whether it's catches or drawing flags, he was the best, probably the best player on the field, best receiver on the field when he was out there for sure. I mean, they couldn't cover him. Um, he was getting he was getting held. He drew some some penalties. He had a, you know obviously the clutch catch in the fourth quarter we're gonna get to as well. But um it felt like a a moment for him and uh you know in this long line of Vikings receivers, it's like this is another guy that's kind of on that level of um I'm not gonna put him on the Jefferson or Moss level or something like that, but like I told you driving home, I'm like, I just feel like he reminds me of Diggs a lot, just kind of the way he moves, um, some of the catches that he makes. Um Obviously, that play is very digs esque with the miracle, but um, so it's it's very exciting um, just to have to have him around for the next couple of weeks with JJ out, and then who knows what we could see when JJ comes back? I can't even imagine. Yeah, I think the the thing I'm most excited about this is you have Jordan Addison has stamped himself as wide receiver one until JJ comes back, and the clear wide receiver two when JJ comes back. Um, not that, not that KJ Osborne didn't have, have nice moments in this game, but I think we've been saying it for weeks. He Addison gives you just something else in regards to yards after catch route running. You know, the, the thing that stood out to me in this game specifically is he had some very, very strong hand catches mm-hmm. where he's hit right at the point, the ball gets there and is able to hold on. Um, and that's something we see JJ do and and ultimately even including Hawkinson, we haven't really seen anybody else do this year. Um, so that that's huge and probably going to win a lot of trust from Kirk Cousins in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. So we come out of halftime and we're like this nine point lead feels 
does not feel very big, um, especially with the with the missed extra point. But and the Niners getting the ball. That's where I mean, that was my concern was the Niners scoring before half, getting the ball back again. And, you know, if we hadn't done anything in the middle there, you could be down by the next time you get a real drive. So um, to be up nine and then to the defense forces a punt, um, some negative plays. Um, I believe they had a sack on this drive. Um, and uh, yeah, this is where the defense I mean, they were they were, you know, pro- probably as good as we could have expected from this performance against the against the Niners, um, but taking advantage of like a Trent Williams being out, Debo being out, but um, have to be happy with that defensive performance. And they get the ball back to the Vikings offense. And this is the moment where it's like, you can really take this game by the horns here um, with the drive. And they put together a nice drive, 11 plays, 77 yards, um, almost, almost five minutes. Um, Yeah. A lot of, a lot of Kirk passes. And this is the one, uh, this is the penalty on in the end zone where they get the ball at the one. Yeah. On pass interference on Addison, which was definitely a penalty. I mean, he's hooking his arm the whole way. I think it was the right call. First to go at the one. And well, I'll let you say what happened. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really want to talk about it either. I just, I, I, I did the same thing that you just did. Brought my hands to my face, <laughs> um, covering it up after I read how this progressed yeah. after the penalty. First and goal at the one we line up for, a tush push for Kirk Cousins, which we are on record as stating Kirk Cousins needs no tush push. We just run a normal sneak if that's what you want to run. He's a good sneaker. Um, he's he all is, right. He's very. He's exactly what you would expect. He's <laughs> average. <laughs> Not like Kirk is very good at throwing the ball accuracy wise. Everything else, just expect Kirk to be the mean. Yeah, and so. We, we try to run that. Uh, Fred Warner times the snap perfectly, jumps over, lands directly on Kirk. Kirk, you know, falls to the ground, doesn't lose yardage. It's not the uh, terrible negative play. And so we They're get back in the huddle, and the thought is, let's run it back. And um, on to false, <laughs> called a false start here. Um, I think they called it an illegal snap. I don't know, know exactly what happened. The ball was there. never snapped. But, uh, move the ball back five yards and, you know, we start over, start over trying to get the ball into the end zone. Cause mm-hmm. this is where you really feel like you could take control of this game. Um, they, they throw the ball to Addison. He gets most of it back. We're down to the two. Um, and I think this is where they run that, that goofy. They had Madison you know, on a crosser. Yeah. And sprint out of the huddle. Mm-hmm. Um, talking to someone at work who played college football, you know, he, he put, he says, Kirk puts that ball exactly where it needs to be. Madison needs to feel that zone a little bit. I, and sit I down believe in it that, in that moment. Um, Why is Madison your guy there? I mean, <laughs> that's, well, that's what you need him for. I don't, <laughs> I would have to see the all 22 and like, is this a play that is supposed to be Justin Jefferson in the backfield and a huge decoy? And yeah. then, but then yeah, you still Addison have Madison. Was in the backfield, right? Yeah. yeah. But if you sprint out, are they even lining up enough to, to realize the decoy that. and like adjust, right. you know? If you're going to do the decoy thing, give them a second to try and <laughs> Let game take plan the bait. for the decoy. Um, <laughs> you drop the bait down, you rip it right back up, never gave them a chance. Um, so, you know, I think Madison gets a hand on it. That's not a catch I expect a running back to make um, if he sits down in the zone a little better it's a wide open touchdown but yep. ultimately 
at, at this point, I was telling the Vikings to go for it from the two. I thought that was enough enough of a chance to really take control of the game. But you but felt confident not... after what you'd seen in the previous five plays that they were going <laughs> to fourth down was going to be the one. Well, I mean, at some point you got to figure something out, right? I mean, one, so th- two, but this is three. what we have to talk about big picture for this season is this not just the red zone, but what they call the low red zone, anything inside the 10, we can't execute um, whatsoever. And I mean, I think there's going to be some people that are going to point to a former Vikings receiver. That's really good in the red zone. I don't think that that's the biggest reason, but that's not here anymore. But uh, this team, they think that they can run the ball. They've run it pretty effectively between the twenties, but once you get in the red zone, I mean, the biggest advantage you have in the red zone is to be able to run the ball in from the two or the one, and of course we did the sneak instead. Seven games in, we do not have a rushing touchdown. That's unbelievable to me. Madison's only touchdowns have been on on screens or passes. So um, I don't know. It's a big issue. I feel like they were mostly very good in the red zone last year. Um, I could be wrong on on that, but um, it wasn't this bad, that's for sure. And so both their touchdowns outside the red zone. If we're counting the 20 is outside um, tonight or last night and two drives, two first and goals from the three or in, and they kicked field goals both times. So, and that's not just a tonight, uh, this week issue. That's been an issue all season. So I don't know if you have one thing to point to in the red zone, but my biggest thing would be just my, yeah. if you figured out the run game, you know, on the first play of the game, figure out one play in the red zone that can get us five yards. Cause that's what we need. Yeah, I, I think the run game's the issue. I, I I will go and point to a former Viking that is not on the field. Um Rudolph? it's not who you're it's not who you're all thinking. It's um Delvin Cook. You yeah. can say what you want about his effectiveness and if he had lost a step um overall burst. Um but he was very good in the red zone, you know, make one guy miss and Rent get to the goal to the line. Edge, yeah. Or a quick toss. Yeah, sprint out to the edge. It seemed like he could he could get that angle or get the edge pretty easily. Um, I don't know if I, I don't know if Cam Akers has a lot of touches down in that, that mm-hmm. go zone. Um, maybe that's something I'd like to see. Cause he's, he does a better job at making the first man miss um, if it's in the backfield or whatever, and at least getting positive yardage. Um, and I don't have any data to back that up. That's just straight eye test, but um <laughs> The 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 this will be great for you. The point that I really felt good about Kevin O'Connell and short yardage is when he ran a little razzle dazzle jet sweep to Jalen Rieger last year. Yes, and he scored a touchdown on it. Made um, the first guy miss too. He was, I mean, he had he had he was beat someone. Yeah, right, absolutely. Um, something like that. Um, I will give. Brandon Powell, his roses for this game. I thought he looked very good for for what we're asking of him. Um, but do something different and don't be the the tush push because that's I don't think that's that's our identity um, in this Vikings team. I mean the best the play that they had the best plan, chance of scoring on was the kind of bubble screen to to Addison with a couple of blockers and you know he makes he breaks one more tackle and he's in. So yeah, that I mean, getting the ball to your best players, and so, I mean, Hawkinson's not getting targeted anymore. Maybe it's PTSD from the Chargers game. I don't know, but he doesn't seem to be getting targets in the red zone. And yeah, I would certainly rather Addison or Hawkinson or even get Acres out there. And of course, when Jefferson comes back, try to get their the ball in their hands instead of 
a Kirk sneak or Madison on a on a crossing route in the middle of the end zone uh, or Brandon Powell on a jump ball. So those are the ones I don't want as much of. I mean, they had Addison for that first on that first drive that ended in a in a field goal. They had him in the back of the end zone and Kirk missed him. But um, so that's about that's where I mean, that's why this game ended up coming down to the wire is that's eight points, nine. If you count the missed extra point that were left on the literal doorstep. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I said at the time I was, I kind of liked any points. Um, but when, with what happened with the next Niners drive, I was like, we could have left him at the two and made it a little harder. Cause they go three plays, 75 yards touchdown. Um, it was, let me open it up. Um, it was McCaffrey Kittle McCaffrey. So, um, that was like, okay, here we go. Um, our, 12 point lead is now five and it's, you know, we're going to be in for it. It's still the, still the third quarter. So um, this is where I was, I was saying this offense that we've been, you know, critical of all season for, for three and outs and punting, they haven't punted once, you know, they've had all their drives other than the pick have been as close to scoring as you can get or scoring. Uh, And I'm like, we could not punt or punt once and lose this game, you know, after all this effort, but um, credit to Kurt, credit to the offense. This was, I think it was later in this drive was then when Addison ended up going out as well. And they needed to, to put together some plays without, you know, now your two top receivers. So, um, they put together a, a drive that at least, at least it sustains, you know, at least keeps the ball, um, gets in field goal range, 10 plays, 50 yards. Um, it was, I mean, the most memorable play I think on that drive is ultimately the Addison, um, there was a no call that ended up being when he cramped up. Um, and that was what left them for a long field goal. That was a dramatic for all of us in the stadium. We can get to that though, but I don't know if you, you know, recall anything, a couple of hits to Powell. Um, this was the Ty Chandler moment that actually counted, which was very exciting for me. But, um, other than that, just a good to not go three and out is what I was thinking the way this season has gone. Yeah, I think both of us were um, not necessarily expecting, but very concerned about the prototypical, all right, we really need a drive, Kevin O'Connell, what do you got, three and out type of thing. Um, and I said that, you know, the Vikings get a, a very bad return on mm-hmm. this. They start the drive at the 14, um, and they're, they're facing third and five. And I thought, you know, you have to have this. I don't know what, it, it looks like they figured out something to Brandon Powell, but um, that was something that you absolutely had to have in that moment because momentum was just, it was right for the taking for either team at that point. Um, I felt terrible about the Greg Joseph 54 yard field goal. Um, did not watch. Did I just asked for a little play by play from Josiah. I had no eyes on anything, not, not on the video board, not on the actual football game in front of me. Um, eyes were closed for that moment, but to Greg's credit, I think this is his first kicked at first. Oh, it's no. So he, he, he bangs it through yeah. 54 yards, um, which I think was his career long prior to last year. Um, maybe even it was Yeah. And then year, they had the I long 61 yard last year. Yeah. So yeah, this okay, guy, but, I did watch it. This could look good all the way. I was, and we'll get to it in a minute, but maybe I have some sort of like a telepathic connection with Greg Joseph or something. Cause I feel, I'm like, I feel good about this one. And then the other one, I was like, I know how this is going to end. So um, even the extra point. So I've seen enough Vikings kickers, I guess, to have a sense for some of these things, but <laughs> sometimes they surprise you, but that was big. Um, you know, you get, um, <laughs> you get, 
back up eight. So, you know, you're at least looking at a, at a touchdown and a two point conversion. So, and then, but I mean, my biggest thing is we saw Addison go off, went right to the locker room. I think there were lots of mixed reports, but I was pretty confident the whole time it was cramps. I mean, they're stretching him and then he went to the locker room. So it's like, got to be getting an IV. He said after the game, he's like, you need a little Gatorade break. So it was more than a little because he missed the whole next drive too, but we'll get to that. Um, so I was like, you know, how long does an IV take was my question. Because other than that, then Kirk's working with Brandon Powell, KJ Osborne, and Tristan Jackson. So um, we'll, we could save it till the next drive, but I, I want to talk about the offensive line overall and Kirk. So um, then the Niners respond with a drive as well. Six plays, 31 yards, um, and they get a field goal. Theirs was each uh, long as well, 55. So this is kind of trading back and forth, which is like, we'll kind of take this at this point. Clock is running. We're still going to, they're still going to need a touchdown to get back, you know, whether it's taking the lead or tying. So feel pretty good about that. And then suddenly it's, it's quickly becoming a possession game, a clock game, and um, it's all kind of hanging in the balance of your classic one score <laughs> Vikings game. So, um, this is the drive they then had to do without Addison and they, you know, managed to go uh, seven plays, 30 yards and they get, you know, kind of right on the edge there at the 42. Um, and then Kirk throws what was a really nice back shoulder throw to KJ Osborne, I thought. Um, but he had to not come down with it, gets a hand on it, um, hit Powell a few more times on this drive too. So, I mean, credit to Kirk, he's working with what he's got and, yeah, let's. I want to get to the decision to punt here, but we should stop and just talk about the fact that we just had a game against the 49ers and Kirk Cousins was not sacked once. So do you think it was a mixture of, or do you think how much of that was Kirk actually being pretty nimble in the pocket and how much of it was just like the Vikings might have one of the, I don't know, 10, 5 best offensive lines in the NFL right now? <laughs> uh, the tackles. I mean, it's just the tackles, if anything. The, the tackles are are great. Um, Dara saw, I saw today, after, you know, Trent, Milli- Trent Williams misses the game. As of last year, that was the only tackle graded above him um, for the year, above Dara saw. Um, As of right now, Christian Dara is the highest graded offensive lineman, including centers, including mm. guards, including tackles in the NFL. Um, and if you put on the tape, I don't think you can dispute that. Um, he just looks so solid. There was a, I don't know if it was Mitchell Swartz or whoever the guy that does the the breakdowns um, had a video of him pass blocking against Joey Bosa. And I'll go back to it. It's, it's the heavy hands. Like when he hits somebody, regardless of how athletic they are, he's they huge. feel it. Oh, yeah. He's like, he's got to be one of the strongest. People don't move beings. him. Yeah. No, exactly. Um, but he's quick enough to to handle a speed rush and, and everything. So um, give Rick credit. That is the best parting gift that, <laughs> that he gave us. Um, Brian O'Neill, great. Um, his post-game press conference was really good. Um, he specifically called out how well Dalton Reisner looked. Um, and how about and- O'Neill coming back from it? Maybe it wasn't fully you know, ruptured, but an Achilles injury this, and, you know, being right back to himself this year, it's, it's really welcome sign. I was worried about that with how late it happened in the season. 
Yeah, absolutely. How late it happened. Um, I think the Vikings were worried about that, given how long it took them to convert his contract or, Mm -hmm. you know, um, create cap space using Brian O'Neill's contract, but they were able to see him for one game or one preseason game, whatever it ended up being. Um, but the overall, the entire offensive line looked really good. Um, I don't know how after this performance you bring Ezra Cleveland back into the fold. Clearly, not a chemistry um, issue with Reisner that that's what's holding them back. Like, yeah, I I don't think you turn you look back at this point. It might not be yeah. a big you know wins above replacement thing, but I think it's yeah. I don't think you make a change until you need to if another injury props up or something. Yeah, and I I saw multiple people on Twitter saying the best part about Reisner is he's always looking for work. He will go find somebody to block. Um, there was a play where they Kirk kind of did a a bootleg, um, and Reisner pulled to the right side of the formation and was ready to to block for him. Um, and just like moved and was ready and moved quickly and had plenty of time to set up before he needed to be, um, which is not something we've seen, especially from our guards. Um, I would maybe be interested to see what the line looks like switching out Ezra for um, Ingram, Ingram, depending depending on how you, you know, right and left side, how you figure that out. But um, after what you saw last night, you can't be, you, you can't be upset really in any regard. No. And this is where, you know, there should be some optimism, I think, among Vikings fans, which is one of the things we've had an issue with with O'Connell, it feels like is, and, you know, Kirk as a result, is you're depending on your protection so much. You've got these longer developing routes going down the field, you know, Hawkinson, Addison, whoever, JJ, when he comes back, that if they actually have this and can sustain it, um, not perfect, you know, they're not going to not give up any sacks for the season, but this is a, you know, as tough of a test as you're going to get. And if, if they can have consistency in that and Kirk can feel confident in it, that's where I think that there is, you know, several levels that this offense can go up. So that's what, you know, I, I have had a few sips of Kool-Aid at this point and we'll, we'll get to that at the end of the game. But um, yeah, I mean, Kirk, well, last thing I was going to say about Bosa is if we watched this game last night without knowing who Joey Bosa was, we would not think that the 49ers have a Pro Bowl whatever defensive, you know, defensive lineman. So that, I mean, he disappeared. I mean, maybe it looked different on TV, but, you know, Kirk had to, Kirk was rushed a few times. There was one I know that he, you know, dirted um, to CJ. Um, that was a free rusher, but that was a different kind. That was, it looked like a blitz to me as far as I could tell. But um, yeah, it's pretty pretty incredible performance and but credit to Kirk because he avoided some stuff too and not only avoided it but kept his eyes down the field reset through with his arm through without his you know balance all this kind of stuff um that was when we talk about is this one of the best games of Kirk's career I don't think it's because of like accuracy or like some of these there's not like there was a ton of like throws that were like I was talking about the Sam Bradford game that we always talk about the Saints game it's like it wasn't that you know it wasn't like these tiny windows in a lot of cases, but it was extending plays and hanging in there against a great, a, you know, a very good defense in prime time, which is just not what we've always seen from Kirk and with, you know, shorthanded in some cases too. So um, I don't know where to put it, you know, among his, I don't think it's one of the top, you know, three, five best games of his career, but it's, it's, 
it's up there for, you know, he gets a couple of games like this a year, it feels like, and this was, this was one of them, but hopefully it can sustain. This was a very Kirk Tober performance. Yeah. Um, I, I, the, the, the game that I always think of, I think it was his, his second game as a Viking, um, the Packer game. first year here against the Packers, yeah. Kirk was putting balls in windows that I did not feel comfortable yeah. with. This um, was not that. Yeah. This was not that, but the, the point we I took away from this game and mentioned it post game was this is the best I've seen Kirk look after a opening interception mm-hmm. or something along the lines of a negative play early in the game. Like generally Kirk has one of those and it's kind of, Oh boy, what, what are we going to see next? Um, but I gave a lot of credit to the offensive line. And I, I think Kirk was had plenty of space on a lot of his throws, but to see Kirk bounce off of, you know, two, two of his offensive linemen getting pushed back into him and then be able to make, I think it was the the next drive that throw to Addison mm-hmm. on third down. Um, that's just not, not something like the exact thing I said in the moment was how did Kirk not turtle there? Cause that's mm-hmm. what we expect, or that's what I've become accustomed to him seeing when under pressure to that regard. Um, and and he really did a nice job of of feeling pressure. Um, there was a couple other times where where he extended the play with his feet and then made a throw. Um, so it it's up there. This is, I think, what you hope the Vikings offense could be, in addition to converting a couple of those red zone things yeah. that we had talked about. Yeah, and it was it was sometime in the second half. I don't know if it was this drive or the previous one, but the other play I remember was they did a a play action boot and it's the classic free rusher coming right at Kirk and he resets and finds KJ Osborne across the field. And it wasn't like a long gain or anything, but it was probably eight yards in what would have been a sack or a throwaway and like stuff like that with just hanging in there and making a play was um, as good as he's has looked as far as I can remember um, on some of that stuff. So um, that leads to, the decision from on a fourth and four at the 42 to punt. So you're looking at a 59 yard field goal. Probably don't want to try that. Um, nine minutes left in the game, a lot of time, but, and no, uh, no Addison. Addison is still in the locker room at this time. So in the moment it was kind of like, you know, is that the best I could make an argument either way, but then the result of the punt is a touchback and you only net 22 yards. And then I think it was two, three plays later, the Niners have already gotten to midfield. So it was like, Maybe would have uh, loved to see them go for that there, but um, I don't know. It's hard to knock it too much, but that was the only punt of the game, um, and they didn't even probably have to punt in that moment. So I don't know if you feel super strongly about the decision either way from KOC at that at that time. It it's hard because the the defense has played so well. Um, I think we're looking at this very differently if Ryan Wright, you know puts one in the corner and they're at the four yard line to start their drive. Um, Even the 10 issue. Yeah. The, the, the issue is, um, and Ryan Wright has, has been the brightest spot of mine guys. So <laughs> I have to, I have to live with this, but the issue is as that play was, you know, setting up and before they snapped the ball, you said to me, all you have to do is don't no touchback. Mm-hmm. Just can't have a touchback. Um, and off his foot immediately. It, it was like a, a banger. Touchback. Like <laughs> he, he booted it. I think it landed maybe at the two, yeah. which if, if you have gobs of hang time and maybe you can have someone catch it, then yes, but not, not in that scenario. Um, 
So it, it, I didn't love the decision after what had happened. I, I don't know if I really felt strongly about it in that moment, but you have the touchback. Um, their first play in the next drive is four yards and then they hit Kittle for 16 yards. And then McCaffrey runs for nine and they're at midfield and you're yep. like, well, that punt was mm-hmm. such a waste yep. uh, at, at that moment. But then they, then they turn it around. They get a stop on second and one and um, stop on third and one. And then they give up the fourth and one um, sneak. But good to see the Vikings defense hold up for a couple of those short yardage yeah. plays. And then Cam Bynum gets his first interception of the game, which I will say is Brock Purdy's worst throw of the game. Maybe short career. Oh, yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah, they, he threw they, it right to him. We, I mean, we're watching from up top, and there was, we couldn't tell who was intended for. Honestly, the first, the first look. So, um, the guy came out of his break late. It looked like, but he was definitely throwing it to, to a spot, and the timing was all off. And I don't know. What do you think about, kind of the overall, defensive game plan coming in? I mean, you've got. I, I mean, they did. McCaffrey had a good. I mean, he had two touchdowns. He had. What did he end up with? 45 yards rushing and 51 receiving. So, I mean, it's about what you'd take, you know, from McCaffrey's best running back in the league, but um, Kittle had a good game. But I think as far as the results that you get from the Vikings defenses, whole game, including the turnovers, but even just in some of the negative plays they created and making, you know, not giving up a ton of big plays with that, without that one drive. Um, I don't know. How do you evaluate, I guess, Flores and the whole defense just with this performance against a highly touted team? And maybe you do, maybe, maybe, um, Purdy's a fraud and, you know, he's exposed and, and all that. But I mean, the results so far have been, have been really good. So I think very encouraging, you know, from the defense, I guess. Yeah. I, I think it's very encouraging in the fact that, um, you weren't dismantled on a national stage. Yeah. Um, I, like I think, you were by Daniel Jones <laughs> 10 short months ago, <laughs> either Daniel Jones or uh, Dak Prescott. Um, yeah. Those are the two games that, that come to mind, but um, this whole season, I would say the the Vikings defense has overperformed and I don't want to get back into the same exact vibe we've gotten into with the previous five or six uh, podcasts this year that the offense underperformed and the defense played great, but the, th- I, the, Correct me if I'm wrong. This is one of two games the Vikings have won the turnover battle um, this year. It's, it's just the last two. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just been, that's been really good to see. Um, Bynum talked about timing his jumps a little better, <laughs> which, yeah, great growth compared to the Chiefs game. <laughs> um, so good for him. Um, but I, I mean, keeping McCaffrey under 100 all-purpose yards that has got to be a huge win um and then i know you have other feelings on this but Ayuk is somewhat dismantling this in the first half mm-hmm. um not with huge plays but like when they needed something to go to Ayuk. Yeah. um i think he had five catches in the first half they made a change or 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 shanahan went away from it i don't know what what is the correct um cause there but he doesn't have much in the second half. And then, you know, 17 points to this Niners defense or this mm-hmm. Niners offense is a great performance with a turnover cons- in the, you know, inside yeah. the 30. 
giving them the ball where you did on that very first drive. So I, I think it's very good. I don't think it's necessarily sustainable to have three turnovers every game, but um, very, very good performance from the defense. Yeah. And the, I mean, the Purdy made a couple of nice plays, but there was, he was getting, getting moved to the pass rush was getting to him. Some missed tackles, you know, definitely um, that created some big plays. Metellus stands out on that um, a couple in a couple scenarios, but, and, and Murphy, but yeah, overall, I think it's encouraging. I think we should try to maybe next week we try to focus on the defense a little more and talk about like specific players because um, I don't think we've done that as much um, as we do on the offense every week. But um, I'd love to get into kind of some of the some of these guys that are you know now getting more looks, more opportunities. These young players and and what we're seeing out of them because it's exciting. I mean, I've never been a huge Cam Bynum fan, but like if you and that doesn't, I mean there's no reason for that, but I think it's kind of the, the bias of, of the scouting and of the pick. Cause it's like, if you replace Cam Bynum with Lewis scene and just the production is the exact same, we would be super hyped about, you know, this first round pick, this potential mm-hmm. guy. Right. Um, but Bynum is, um, I mean, he had a big, big mistake in the chiefs game, but otherwise he makes, he's made plays last year and made play this year. And that's where this is not going to be the time for the referendum on the, on the scene pick, mm-hmm. but, Maybe don't go safety in the first round at all, even if it's Hamilton. Um, maybe just don't go safety. That's what I'll say. But um, yeah, Bynum's got another play coming up we should talk about. But exciting with the defense. Yeah, I do want to get into kind of like, you know, what we're seeing out of um what we're seeing out of a Caleb and and these some of these other guys too. Um, so maybe we try to do that next week unless who knows what'll happen next week. But um Vikings get the ball back and it's like time to run the clock out. Um so hopefully we can do that. Addison comes back in. Clearly, he's gotten an IV. Acres, I will mention, is the running back on this drive. And um, Vikings managed to put together a few first downs, uh, 10 plays, 38 yards, run four minutes. And the biggest play is you now have a third and two um, on the just across midfield, third and three, rather. And just over two minutes, the Niners have already used two timeouts. And it's like you get a first down here and you're going to not run the clock all the way out, but you know, basically give them no shot and you dial up the play for your you know the guy they can't guard your best player addison beats him kirk extends the play this is the one where he got basically sandwiched in the pocket and and came out of it hit addison it doesn't matter addison was held anyways so you get a flag and just based on our math um we're like that's it's not quite game but it's you know if we're giving them the ball back with 40 seconds no timeout short field you know i'm not too worried about that and then there's a lot of confusion. I don't know if you've learned anything in the last 24 hours, but like we said, they had one timeout left. This play ended at 219. Um, it was a completed pass to Jordan Addison. He's tackled inbounds. The penalty was called and declined, and the clock is stopped. And we are right on it in the stadium. We're like, why is the clock stopped? We're talking to the guys next to us, trying to figure it out. The, it stays like that. They run a play, lose four yards, and the Niners use their timeout. So suddenly they've used their timeout, and it's still the other side of the two-minute warning. And we're like, this changes everything. So what do you know? What do you suspect about that? Um, was it a clock error, or is that some weird rule we didn't know? So what I've been told um, through the deep depths <laughs> of my Twitter, my Twitter reach is – any penalty, whether accepted or declined, outside of two minutes, stops the clock. Under which, five minutes, was it, right? No, outside of 
two minutes. And the whole game? Entire game. Oh, my. So, which is very, you know, like end of game scripts, I would say start probably under the four minute mark. You know, you got, you got four yeah, minute drills five, that, yeah. that you put together. If that is the case, especially offensively, the Vikings need to use this to their advantage. Well, I was trying to think of what, cause I saw that explanation too. And that seems like the consensus. And I don't know if anyone picked up on it in the broadcast. I didn't hear anything one talking about it. So it was just kind of shoved here, off, here. I guess. But when you're counting timeouts and you're doing the math on 40 seconds, that was a big, big difference. So, I mean, we were on it. I think some people should have been, I mean, I know some reporters were on it, but you'd think Joe Buck should be on that too, but, um, or Terry McCauley or whoever they have. So the explanation I got is from a Cubs, Vikings, Bulls, Suns, <laughs> and Duke basketball fan. You know, so take yeah. that as you will. <laughs> no, I saw several people that said the same thing. So I, I did not read the rule book, but it seems like if no one made a stink about it, that's probably true. Um, what? How would you take advantage of that, though? Because I was thinking this is kind of the only scenario where that works for you on from the defensive perspective. Like it worked for the Niners because – if you give them an automatic first down or like they would just replay the play and it doesn't really help much if it's a penalty. Um, but if it's a first down in this case and you still have enough time to, you know, so it's that one really only on a first down play that is either they're getting the first down because of the penalty or it's declined would be the only time I would think that would actually be an advantage because otherwise they would just redo the play um, or it would, move forward with that. You know what I'm saying? So I was trying to think defensively, of other scenarios. Yeah. Defensively, yes. But my thought is if the, the way the Vikings are able to utilize um, spiking the ball in their under two minutes, like I could give two rips about five yards in, in, mm-hmm. in some of those scenarios. My thought is, you know, say you hit that, that Jordan Addison pass and he gets tackled at the end of the first half, which I get would be inside two minutes, all this different stuff. But if you got two re- two two uh, receivers down there and you fake hike the ball, oh yeah, illegal formation, we'll take the five yards, but stop the clock and we'll kick a field goal type of thing. Like, that's my only thought. I don't know. I get that that's yeah, probably never, There's some sort of a runoff if it's under two minutes, like you said. Um, so I think this was the only, this was probably the, kind of confluence of uh of moments that could lead to the most consequential interpretation of this rule um, but I, I do think it's a huge difference between a minute 15 and 35 seconds for the no timeout Brock Purdy drive um which is what we ended up with because of course Greg missed a field goal yeah absolutely I just would say I have no problem stopping the clock if the penalty is accepted if that penalty is declined continue to play the game as it's supposed to be played so that's that's where I'm at. Ziggy, but. let's get on that for a rule change for next year. Um under four minutes or something. Um yeah, it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense. I don't that just makes the game longer too, in like the course of the game. Right. Like in the second quarter, you're gonna stop the clock on a you know on a de- yeah. On a declined offensive or offsides or something. Yeah. So it's it's weird. Maybe that's why it felt like Packers games took so long with Aaron Rodgers and the hard count. <laughs> so, yeah, they they run the ball three times, as I think they probably should have. Hopefully you don't lose yards on the first one. But then they trot Greg out. And again, I mean, so it would have been, what, third and fourth and six? Hard to go for it there. 
But I will say if you went for it, you would have actually saved yourself, what, eight yards because you would have given them the ball there instead of with the kick, spot of the kick. I knew, I don't know, uh, maybe I'm cynical, but I felt no hope that he was going to make that kick the whole way. So people next to me seem to think he's going to make it. Um, so you give them the ball back minute 16, this is kind of, you know, the reverse of the Viking situation at the end of the half. It's like, you think that's a lot of time, um, for maybe we've just watched Rogers so much over the years with the Packers that it seems easier than it really is, but you figure a couple tackles inbounds and we're feeling pretty good. They need a touchdown, not a field goal. So, um, yeah, they, they convert a couple, uh, a couple passes, the clock is running and then Purdy does the cross his body throw to, can't bind them on the jump ball, and that's that's a ball game. So pretty exciting. Yeah, I mean, three turnovers is is huge, and the last two drives both ending in turnovers. I think I got to bring this up, um, and I don't know if you'll remember this or not. There was a early play in this game where Cam Bynum is trying to defend a pass um, on George Kittle, reaches through and just misses the ball completely. Mm. George Kittle makes the catch with his hands. Um I believe your exact comment was Cam Bynum, not much of a ball hawk. Oh, I did say that. <laughs> yeah, I did say and, that. I forgot. And he, he goes on to have um, won the game ceiling interception, but two interceptions. Um, and both, one he had to go to the ground for and one he had to high point. I mean, yeah, that's Cam Bynum, ball hawk. Yeah, so me wrong. Uh, that I thought that was funny. I was just yeah, – I, I forgot about that. Would have loved to bring that up in the moment, but yeah. obviously that's something I don't remember until the next day. Yeah. But um, great for him. Um, great for the defense. Um, it sounds like this week that they worked on having celebrations ready for potential turnovers, um, and they got to use – I know they only had three turnovers. They got to use four because of a, yeah. a reverse call. Um, not a lot of Minnesota – reporters asking on whether cam bynum prefers to call it duck duck goose or duck duck gray duck i think that would go a long way in the hearts of a lot of minnesotans Mm -hmm. um but really great for the defense to stand up to the niners in that moment yes they need a touchdown um but just to be able to you know intercept the ball and the game and and just just overall a really good win great win i mean the only thing that sticks out, so it, you cannot complain. The Vikings beat the the 49ers, who a lot of people had said, you know, are the, the best or one of the three best teams in the NFL um, at home without Justin Jefferson on Monday Night Football, you know, when their season was on the line in a lot of ways. We said earlier in the year, we've got to win either the Niners or the Chiefs game because of the games you've dropped previously. And if they had another moral victory and played them close and lost, you know, two and five versus three and four, it just makes a world of difference as we're going to talk about in just a minute. So um, you have to give them nothing but credit. I do feel like you played about as well as you could possibly play an offense, you know, scored 22 points. So I, I guess that's the Niners defense thing too, but that's where I do think there's room to grow um, still. So had they lost somehow, that would have been what we'd really be looking at is you punted once and it was, you know, from the 42 and you had all these chances in the red zone and, and still, but they got a free six points at the end of the half too. So um, you got to take a win against that team, however you can get it. And they played as well as they played all year. A lot of people were saying, a lot of people are forgetting, I think about some of the great games the Vikings played last year, but they're like, you know, one of the best wins of the O'Connell era, era which 
I guess. Um, we'll see. I think it just depends on what they do from here. Um, you said, I don't think it was on the pod, but before the bit, you know, before that bears game, when, you know, the season is in the balance, you're one and what were they? One and four. You're like, I don't care what you do. I want them to do the same thing three weeks in a row, <laughs> either win or lose. Um, and so you got two wins in a row now. And I mean, do you have any, any other thoughts you have on the game last night, just the atmosphere and stuff, but then we should look ahead to, cause it's Packer week already. Yeah. Short week. Uh, we got to move on quickly. Um, but like, I, I think, I think you can make the argument. It's maybe the best win of O'Connell's tenure. Um, when you factor in the opponent, just cause last year, yeah, it seemed like when you really played a, a top end talent, whether it's the Eagles or Cowboys, um, you somewhat got embarrassed. So if that's how you want to look at it, um, I think I mean, they the played Bills, a lot of yeah. games. That's true. I forgot about the Bills. Uh, how he, you also had, he also had the greatest comeback in NFL yes. history. So there's a lot to go off of there. But either way, it's up there. It's a good win. It's their good best win, win this year. Yes. Um, <laughs> First win against yeah. a team that doesn't have a top two pick. <laughs> um, but really, like you said, it matters what they do from here. Um, this was really the turning point in the schedule. Like you said, two and five versus three and four, are two completely different things. Um, I saw something today that with the win, the Vikings are 40, either 43 or 48% to make the playoffs. As of right now, they're a half game outside of the the wild card, um, the way things break down. And not that the Vikings, not that it matters who the Vikings play because we have lost to you know, the Bucks, Eagles, Chargers, and Chiefs, which those are pretty good teams. Don't get me wrong. Mostly. Um, but the, the schedule seems to shift after this point. Um, but you got to take care, take care of business um, on Packers week. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this team, I am not ready to say that we know who they are either way, but we know that they can play like this. Um, I mean, we're a week removed and we didn't talk about it on the podcast from the ugliest win I've seen in years um, in Chicago against a terrible team. So it's hard to feel like they've, you know, they're just going to steamroll the the Packers and the Falcons and these other teams. But those are all games that are very, win- again, if they don't turn the ball over, if they can generate some more turnovers on defense, like they've been doing the last couple of weeks, um, you have to feel really good about this this upcoming stretch. And I mean, you say wild card, but I mean, Lions lost. We play them twice late in the year. Like I, I don't see any reason why you're out of that race if you can string together some wins for the division. So um, that's where we're at. That's why this podcast has never been a tanking podcast. We've never talked about tanking. We're not about it. We are here for the long haul on this season. Um, unless something terrible happens. But at this point, you know, we're we're two feet in. Uh, we're on the train and it was a, it's it's exciting game i would i mean this is why any game you look at it on this on the schedule and it's like you write it off or whatever but the atmosphere is always there even if you know even if we get late in the year and they're eliminated but especially a primetime game um you never know what's going to happen and you know the if the team shows up the fans are, are going to show up all the more so that was exciting i'm just i'm thankful to yeah have had that that game, that experience, I'll remember that one. Like I said, it's a Jordan Addison game. So he's here now and um, hopefully can sustain. I mean, if they go three and one or four and I mean, three and one would even be disappointing at this point. If they can go four and out without JJ and then get him back, um, then we're really going to be getting some ideas, I guess. 
Yeah, I so I I did say it on the pod after the Chiefs. It was <laughs> win three or lose three. Oh, you did. Either okay. way, I, yep, yep. Um, said a lot off the pod as well. Yep. But I also earlier in the year the question was raised: Do the Vikings get back mm-hmm. to five hundred this yep. year? And we are in striking distance, <laughs> baby. So go into Lambo, take care of business. Um, to be honest, I didn't see it happening. At four and four, I thought that was maybe a stretch when I said they get back to 500, but I will take it nonetheless, go and win in Green Bay and and then start to string together some wins. So it's Green Bay, Atlanta, New Orleans, Denver. Um, and by that time, for sure, JJ should be back. Naylor should be back. Just <laughs> I don't know what how, how that moves the needle for you, but um, Mark and, Marcus Davenport may be back by that point. Um, if you can string together some wins without JJ on the field and then bring them, bring him back into the fold, that should really make a difference. The, the, you said the Vikings won't go in and steamroll the, the Green Bay Packers, which I would love if they do. But the point that I feel best about is obviously the Vikings only had one punt. The Vikings didn't have a three and out. Mm-hmm. My, my, I, however you want to look at the <laughs> interception, the opening drive. Um, sustaining drives helps you win games. The Vikings, I believe, won the time of possession battle. Yep. Um, if if that's something you can replicate week to week, you're going to be in every game, and they've been in every game regardless. Um, but if you can sustain drives, you're going to have a good chance. Yeah. Here's what I'll say to close, and I, I'm fully prepared to eat my words if it goes this way, but this is rivalry week. We got to you know, maybe we lost a little bit of the luster without Rogers, but the Packers stink. We should, we need to go in there and beat the Packers. I mean, this team had just lost to the, they got embarrassed by the Lions. They lost to the, to the Broncos. I mean, if, if Brian Flores can't get, you know, uh, Jordan Love to be totally off his, you know, discombobulated or whatever, um, that's what I would expect going to this game. I think you've got to be able to, a, a pretty, incompetent offense um that should be you should be able to to handle and then the vikings should be able to take care of business with with their offense and yeah love to see more acres um keep addison and hawkinson rolling um and go from there kirk we gotta you know we're not expecting this every week but we've got to have can't go snip snap snip snap from the that bears game to this game we need to find a find a balance find something that can can win you some games i guess that's the thing the first two games the Vikings won this season were the two worst games Kirk has played um, of the season. So finally they get this one and hopefully he can, hopefully I've mean, got one more week of Kirk Tober. So let's, let's make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. Make it memorable. Um, I want to get my Packers stink in there as well. <laughs> um, say what you want about the Vikings win. Um, now we have the 49ers win to really hang our hat on, but the Packers wins to this mm-hmm. point are Bears and, Week one against the Bears, which, you know, all right, Bears and Bears, write them off. They also needed a... Oh, that Saints game, yeah. A 18-point um, fourth quarter to beat the Saints. Because so, their car got hurt. That's the only reason that they won that game, yeah. Exactly. So go in there, score early, score often, um, and just... Come back with a W and get us to 500, and we're going to feel great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm ready. So beat the Packers. Let's go. Um, we are 
this season is is far from over and the Vikings are making things interesting as they always do. So thankful for that. Uh, thankful to have been to the game last night and we'll talk to you guys on Sunday. So school. School. In situations like this, there's only two money guys on this team. Find them. Find them. Hey, what you gonna do today? Make out my A game. You got your A game? Yes, sir. You got his A game.